Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And if you listen, you can hear my co-host's stomach <laughs> rumbling. Tom Dorian. I don't know what they're cooking in here, but man, I tell you what, it's got me going. Well, you are in the right I'm hungry, place. man. You are in the right place if you're I know, hungry. I know. I know. I need to get that magnificent 20. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, we can we can probably find 20 things on the menu that you'd yes, like to have. I know. Well, we're going to fill you up today. we got some good stuff today. Always. Uh, and we are going to cover an interesting topic that okay. a lot of people don't always like to cover. Uh-oh. Uh, we're not talking about confession, per se, but we're talking about preparing ourselves for confession and examination of conscience. Okay. Right? And this is an important thing that we do. In fact, well, first of all, I guess we should look at you know, why do we confess our sins, right? Or is right. that important? We know the church teaches this. Scriptures mm-hmm. talk about it, mm-hmm. right? John writes in his first letter, he says in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we don't want to say we haven't sinned and we want to confess our sins. That's what John tells us. Right. Right. He tells us we need to confess our sins. And there's an interesting quote from one of the early church fathers uh, that talks about this and brings in the idea of conscience into the discussion. Uh, this is St. Cyprian of Carthage. He says this around 250 A.D., so that's okay. way back. Yeah. And we're that's, talking, that's yeah. kind of yeah. close to the beginning. That's way back there. Just, just a little. That's right. And he says, of how much greater faith and salutary fear are they who confess their sins to the priests of God in a straightforward manner and in sorrow, making an open declaration of conscience. I beseech you, brethren, let everyone who has sinned confess his sin while he is still in this world, while his confession is still admissible, while the satisfaction and remission made through the priests are still pleasing before the Lord. And he says this in a, a document called On the Lapsed, uh, and this is a, that was in, from verse or chapter 28. But there's St. Cyprian of Carthage talking about, you know, we got to have Confessing this. Confessing to a priest. Right. With an open declaration of conscience. Right. So this idea of conscience, well, we have to prepare ourselves for that confession, right? Exactly. If we're going to do the right thing. And one of the things I want to look at, do you remember, did you ever take like a journalism class or a writing class? I know you were like a sports guy. <laughs> I took underwater basket weaving. Yeah, and you probably did very well in that. I but, did. But if you took any kind of writing class, right. you still remember, you probably still remember though, do you remember the five W's? I think I did. And the one H. I'm not going to test you. <laughs> I'm not going to test you. I'll just – well, Tom is eating his, uh, you know, uh, honey bun right now. So yeah. while his mouth is full, I will go ahead and do the, the five W's. Yeah, who, what, when, where, why. There you go. All that. And then what's the one H that gets stuck on the end? How. How, exactly. Yes. So who, what, when, where, why, and how. We're going to use those little uh, key points in journalism okay. to Great. talk about the examination of conscience. So who, right? Good idea. Yeah, well, who – we exa- we, who, who examines their conscience? You do, yeah, right? Yeah, you examine you, your own. Well, the key here is exactly right. You examine your conscience. Right. You don't need to examine the conscience no. of somebody else. No. Right? You, you're not going to confess someone else's sin. No. Right? And you also don't need to bother yourselves with other people's actions at this point. You need to turn inwardly and you need to confess 
your sin, right. so you need to examine your conscience. Right. Right? And then the what. So we got who, now what. Right? What are we examining? Not just the conscience, but what in our conscience? What is it we're examining? We're looking for what? We're looking for sins. Exactly. We're looking for sins, our faults, our failings. Right? We're not looking for a balance sheet. At this point, we're not trying to prepare a case. Right? We're going to go before the bank and say, this is good. This is, you know, we're not going to go before the judge. Right. And try to show a balance sheet here. We don't want to go and look at all the good things we did because, you know, we can get blinded by the good stuff. It's good to do good things. It is. And we should be aware that we're doing good things. But we're at, at, in the examination of conscience, we're not saying, you know, Lord, here are the other great things that I did. Now, there right. was this murder I committed, but let me look at these other really yeah. good things. A I did put a, I put a quarter in that little Salvation Army pot at Christmas, you know. <laughs> right? And you start to think about the good things. That's not what examination of conscience is for. Really, it's a painful thing, right? To a certain degree, there is – we need to really thoroughly – Look into the the things that we've done where we've turned our back on God. Right. That's the what. That's right. what we're looking for. Right. That's a that's part of the examination of conscience. Now, when so we got who, what, when? When do we examine our conscience? Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to go to confession for the first time in a year, uh, and I'm going to do that uh, Saturday. So I figure that maybe Saturday, right before I go in, I'll examine my conscience. Yeah. Not a good idea. Right. Yeah, but the, the more you prepare, the better. The better. The exactly. Confession. Right. Exactly. Right. right. We, we we want to do that. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I, but but the win is like, well, should I examine my conscience right before I go in? Yes, you should. Right before you go to confession, it, it's just a re-examine to think again. But you should be a it's a, a constant state of examination. A lot of people think that's a good thing to do a sort of cursory examination of conscience at night. When you're in bed, right? Every night, you lay down in bed and you kind of think about the day. Mm-hmm. What are the things I did? What are the things I didn't do? Right, right. And you start thinking, well, maybe I can do better on this tomorrow. And that's the good time to do an examination of conscience when you've got when you've got something to look at. But see, if you wait and do an examination of conscience six months or or a full week since something happened, we forget things. Right. They roll off of us. We 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 want to put that negative stuff. Off, right? The burners. We don't. We don't want to talk about that anymore. Exactly. It's not even on the stove. It's not in the kitchen anymore. Right. We've left it behind. Right. So a frequent examination of conscience is good. That that doesn't mean you have to go to confession after you do every examination of conscience. It just that means that you are aware of what you are doing, what you aren't doing, and you're you're, you're preparing yourself to make an accounting to God. Yep. Right. It's an important thing to do. So uh, when frequently, preferably you know daily at night. Is a great time to do that. All right, so where? You may think, what does that matter? It does matter. It matters where you make your examination of conscience. Because if you're if you're driving along and you're listening to the radio, right, and you're in traffic, you may have a moment there where you can think about something. That's true. But can you do a thorough examination of your conscience? It's hard. Right. Right? When you've got distractions. Mm-hmm. So I would say the where of the examination of conscience is when you're alone. Yep. When it's quiet, when you have some time, right? When you can set this aside and you can say, this is when I need to do my examination of conscience. Um, so often we'll, we'll throw the examination of conscience right before we go to confession. Right. You know, and, and we, won't have, we won't have time. And so we'll be doing it there in the church. Now, the church is actually a great place to do an examination of conscience. It is. You're right. But not under pressure. Right. Right. Yeah, take some time out. Right. But if you do make, a, make an altar visit. 
Come and just sit in the church in the quiet of the church. I love sitting in a church when it's kind of darkened and you see just the light coming in through the stained glass windows and you're there before the tabernacle. And you can stop and reflect on your life and think, God, I need to I need to do better here. You know, here are some things that I know that I've done wrong. You can even take with you uh, a little list and say, what have I done here? What have I done there? And those those are important things to do. And doing that in a church in a great place. Blessed sacrament. Exactly. Right, if you've got perpetual adoration in your church or in your diocese somewhere that you can go to, what an awesome place to be before the Lord and to make an accounting to the Lord who's there. It's pretty perfect. Yeah, it's a great place. So alone, you know, in in a in a place where you can dedicate yourself to that process of examination of conscience, yep. that's where that needs to take place. Why? So we got the who, what, when, where, why. You've already said it one time, Tom. You said you want to be prepared. Exactly. Right? So, you know, the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. It is. Right? We want to be prepared. We want to be ready for something. Right. If we're doing a big job interview, you don't just, like, pop in there and say, well, I don't know what they're going to ask me, but I'll probably do okay. Yeah, you're not going to wing it. Some people might wing it, but you ain't going to do as well if you're winging it. Right, So you want to prepare yourself for that job interview. You want to make an accounting and maybe even write it all down, what's called a resume. right? And you want to think, what are all the pluses? What are all the things that I can do? And I know they're going to ask this question about what I can get better at and things like that. I want to be prepared for all the questions. Yep. Well, the same thing about judgment. right? We want to prepare ourselves for judgment. So we want to take an accounting of our lives. right? And especially when we're going into confession, which is not judgment. But it is an, uh, 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 helping prepare us for our final judgment. Exactly. Right? By basically cleaning our souls. Mm-hmm. Right? We want to be prepared for that. Because if we want to do a thorough examination of conscience, we've got to prepare ourselves for that. Yep. It takes time. It takes effort. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's an important thing to do. And then there's that. we got the five whys, who, what, when, where, and why. Or the five Ws, who, what, when, where, and why. Mm-hmm. Now let's add that little H, the how. Okay, And see, this can be difficult um, because a lot of people make the mistake of not knowing how to do an examination of conscience. Right. And so they think, like maybe I did when I was younger, that if I got to sit for a few minutes and think, well, what have I done? <laughs> Why? Not too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm generally okay. Right. <laughs> it's, it's what I call the, the, uh, the, the Las Vegas lie. Right. You know, have you ever talked to people and they're talking about gambling, right? right? And I'm not advocating gambling for all those of you who are thinking, wait a second. <laughs> well, you know, those people, you talk to them about gambling and, and they say, well, you know what? Overall, I'm about even. Exactly. You know, they'll always, they, in their mind, they look back and they think, well, they're, they're about even. You know, and then you, you think about it for a second and you look at Las Vegas with all those lights and those mega hotels and these huge things and all the stars and all that stuff. It's paid for by somebody. <laughs> so somebody's not even. Either Either one guy has lost a whole lot of money right. or we aren't really all kind of even. We kind of lie to ourselves. Right. And so if we don't know how to do an examination of conscience, we can very easily fall into that trap of lying to ourselves into thinking that we really don't have a lot to confess. Yep. Right? So what we want to do now is in the second half of our program, take a moment and Find out how. And we're going to talk about how. We're going to do that right after we get back from a little break. Great. Uh, And before we do that, I want to remind people at home, they've got a wonderful website they can visit, www.thecatholiccafe.com. It is wonderful. And I would love to hear from you. I'd love you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so while we're on this break, 
uh, prepare yourselves for your examination with for your confession by your examination of conscience. Put those on paper. Bring them back with you. We'll we'll all review them uh, <laughs> after the break. There will be a test. <laughs> That's right. When we get right back. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Though St. Anthony of Padua was born in Portugal in the early 13th century, he did most of his work in Italy. He was a Franciscan monk who was well known for his ability to teach the Catholic faith in a way that even the simplest of minds could comprehend. And he was so steadfast in his zeal for protecting the church against heresy that he soon became known as the Hammer of Heretics. St. Anthony was especially effective in converting heretics through the wondrous miracle of the Eucharist. One such conversion story is told about a particularly stubborn and hardened heretic named Bonanillo. Bonanillo was well known in town for his heretical beliefs, and he was not to be convinced with the direct and forceful words of St. Anthony, the hammer of heretics. So St. Anthony had to find other means to convey the truth of the Catholic faith to Bonanillo. One day, when Bonanillo came to town with his mule, St. Anthony made a proposition. He wondered if Bonanillo might recant his heresy and believe in the church's teachings if St. Anthony could get even his mule to bow down in adoration of the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Bonanillo agreed, but being untrusting by nature, he laid down some stipulations. Bononillo said that the mule must not be fed for two days and should be led into the town square on the third day. On one side of the path was to be placed a tempting pile of fresh feed, and on the other side, St. Anthony would stand with his so-called body of Christ. St. Anthony agreed. For the next two days, the mule was not fed. St. Anthony spent the entire two days in fervent prayer, asking that God might soften Bonanillo's heart and allow him to see the truth of the church. On the third day, the town square was crowded. Bonanillo entered the town square with his now hungry mule. He was certain that the mule would go for the feed. Instead, much to the shock of Bonanillo and all the townspeople, the mule pulled toward St. Anthony and the Blessed Sacrament. Then the mule knelt down in adoration. Seeing this, Bonanillo's eyes filled with tears. His heart melted as he too bowed down in adoration. He gave up his heresy then and there and came home to the one true church. It was a true Eucharistic miracle. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back sitting in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian, and we've just examined our conscience. Tom, your list is actually short. You're a good, holy person. Um, you know, I'm a lucky guy. Yeah. Maybe you haven't done a really good examination of conscience. No, man. I'm on top of it. <laughs> Are you really? You know I am. Well, you must do a frequent one, then. That's good. So how do we do an examination of conscience? If we have nothing before us... And we sit and we're left to our own designs. That's when we run into trouble, right? Yeah. If we have no organization, you can, you can just justify no just about anything you do. Well, or you just don't remember. Right. You don't think about it. Yep. One of the greatest ways 
to do an examination of conscience is using the Ten Commandments as a basis, mm-hmm. right? And when a lot of people hear that, they actually go, that's great. That's fantastic because, you know, those Ten Commandments, I remember some of the big ones. I remember about adultery. I remember about, uh, uh, you know, thou shalt not kill. And, you know, I ain't killed anybody. I right. can just knock that one off. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, you know what? Commit adultery. I haven't cheated on my wife. Right. I haven't done that. Right. Right. So you think there's only three or four that I actually have to look at. You think right. that's going to be easier. But what I will challenge you with is the idea that if you do a thorough examination of conscience based on the Ten Commandments, you'll find that those Ten Commandments actually are going to reveal other things that would fall under that right. that, that commandment that you may not have thought about. Oh, absolutely. Right? And you can actually find these online. There's some great ones online. If you just there Google are. examination of conscience. Exactly right. You Google that. You're going to find tons of them. Yeah, my favorite one is beginningcatholic.com. You go to beginningcatholic.com, and what are you going to find there? Well, you're going to find a very thorough examination of conscience. Yeah, so when you look at that, you're going to think, uh-oh, you know, I may not have murdered somebody, but I might have done something else that yeah. was tantamount to murder. Oh, absolutely. I may have killed their spirit. Yeah. Right? It think, is a, it's a very a lengthy process. That's right. And so what we should do is let's go through this. Uh, examination of conscience based on the right. Ten Commandments. Let's just go through some of this. This is not the one on beginningcatholic.com, but right. this is one like that. Yeah, it's similar. Right? We, it's just based on the Ten Commandments. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. You think, well, I believe in God, so I'm good to go, right? Well, let's answer a, few, a couple other basic questions. Do I truly love God above all, or do I sometimes give greater importance to things of this world? Money, image, looks, clothes, popularity, or selfish desires? Oh, so do we have other gods, right? Is money or fame or something like that, right? Do I have problems with lust? Is that is that something, are those gods that get between me and the true God, right? Right. Well, see, that's how you don't keep the Lord your God, you know, uh, as the most important thing in your life, right? That's how you break that commandment, by having other gods right. before him. Right. You know, even if it's not some god like Baal or one of these uh Old Testament gods like they were worshiping back then, there are many things that we can put between us and God. And so we have to be aware of that. And so let's look at the second commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Do I show disrespect for God's name by misusing it out of frustration or anger? I mean, we've all we've all said things like when we hit our thumb with the hammer, right? That it, It's a tendency, <laughs> right? Yes. And we can use God's name in vain in that situation. Oh, yeah, very easily if right? you're not careful. But what about do I hesitate to mention God's name in appropriate situations? Or I'm embarrassed to talk about God in conversations with friends, family members, or coworkers. Yep. You know, that's a way where we can use the Lord's name in vain or not use the Lord's name when we should. Right. Right? You start thinking, well, maybe that's something that's happened. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's a violation of that second commandment. So the third commandment: remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. Okay, I go to mass because my mother always made me go to mass, and now my wife makes me go to mass. Well, I'm a deacon; I should want to go to mass anyway, and I do. <laughs> I'm just teasing, but you know, I go to mass every Sunday, so that means that everything's good. I'm keeping the Lord's day, right? Right. Here's some other questions to answer: Do I come to church to celebrate the Eucharist on Sundays and holy days? Do I attend mass only when it's convenient or when it will make me feel good? Do I honor my obligation to attend mass? Do I ever miss mass without good reason? Do I participate in mass by praying and singing, or do I simply sit as a spectator and wait to be entertained? Do I pay close attention to the Word of God and open myself to God's call to allow His Word to take effect in my life? See, this means that we're making the most out of that. Day. That's how we're keeping the Lord's Day holy. Right. 
right? We're making the most of that mass, right? We're participating. Mm-hmm. It's not just showing up, right? Right? God doesn't give you credit for just being there, right? Right? You got to want to be there. You got to be active and participating, yep. right? The fourth commandment: honor your father and your mother. Right? Do I help bring peace and happiness to my family, or am I disrespectful of others and a source of pain for those who are closest to me? In other words, in my household, like if you're a young person and mom and dad are there with you, I mean, are you creating trouble? That's not honoring them because they want peace in the house. Right. And you're not honoring that, that wish that they want peace in the house. Right. Am I loving, respectful, and obedient to my parents? Do I appreciate the many sacrifices they've made for me? Do I say thank you and I love you? This is the challenge for all of us, no matter how old we are. Yeah. Even after our parents have died, do we honor their wishes? Do we honor them? Do we remember them fondly? Do we remember the things, that, that the sacrifices that they made for us? Or do we dismiss them? Yeah. So we can violate that commandment even after our parents are dead. Yeah. And that seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Pretty deep stuff. And it also opens it up and makes us think there are some things that we need to look at here. Oh, yeah. The fifth commandment, you shall not kill. Now, this one is one that most people think, I have not killed anybody. Right. Right. Now, I I know my audience also, there might be a a rougher element out there who have killed several people. (laughs) I hope hope you've asked for forgiveness. and, uh, (laughs) and, And I'm sure God has given that to you. But let me just say this. You shall not kill doesn't necessarily mean to to you know to stab someone to death or to shoot them with a gun, mm-hmm. right? What are some other things that you can do to kill somebody? Well, you can kill their reputation. That's right. Absolutely, you can you can you can do that. You can say terrible things about them. You can, right? You can also actually we've seen this in the news lately. You can actually cause someone to commit suicide. Yeah. You may not directly think you're doing that, but to to beat someone down to make fun of them to such yeah, a to degree, bully them to death. That they can actually take yeah. action, and they end up dying. And it was because of, not specifically because of what you did that one time. Right. But a lifetime of hearing that kind of thing can be very, very bad. Yeah. Right? And you played a part in that. That's sinful. And that actually violates that fifth commandment. You're killing that person's spirit. If they don't want to live after talking to you, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right? You don't want to do that. Yeah. Right, so a lot of us have been guilty of those kinds of things. Oh yeah, and we have to think about that. Sixth commandment: You shall not commit adultery. I can say that I've never cheated on my wife. Right, and everyone thinks, well, that's great. Yep. So the deacon can knock that off his list. Yeah. Right, but and men particularly, we have a problem with things like lust, wandering eyes. Right, it's na- oh, yeah. it's, it's natural. It's part of us. We're wired that way. Yeah. Well. What did Jesus say about adultery? Do you remember he said that if you've done this in your mind? Oh, yeah, you've committed adultery. Oh, yeah, amen, amen, I say to you. Right. <laughs> it's like, uh-oh, right? So you start <laughs> to think about what you're doing in your mind. Right. Where are you carrying your thoughts? And Jesus says you commit adultery even by expressing a desire, a fervent desire to be with someone else. That's adultery. Yeah. You know, and, we, and again, we violate the sixth commandment. We, we don't want to do that. Yep. Right. It's not just about that act of carrying on with someone else, with a with someone else's spouse, or you know, with someone other than our spouse. Right. Right. And so that can be a bad thing. And then also the seventh commandment: You shall not steal. Do I respect the property of other people? Have I stolen, damaged, or vandalized the property of others? Well, that's the obvious thing, right? Have I physically stolen? Most people say, "Well, I really haven't." But you right. you actually were telling me about something about in your your line of work. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm in the insurance business, and I when I ran across this particular website with this examination That's of conscience. That's the being, being, beginningcatholic.com. Beginningcatholic.com, yeah. right. Happened to mention uh, making a false claim on your insurance. See, a lot of people don't think about that. that, right? People don't think. 
Right? Yeah, it's almost natural to, to, to think about doing something like exactly that. Exactly right. And you think, well, yeah. you know, I'm not really no cheating deal. anybody. It's a business. It's a corporation. Yeah. That's what people think yeah. about when they shoplift. I'm not really right. stealing. You know, in fact, insurance is going to cover them for that, so I'm not really stealing from them. Right. Right? Well, right. where does insurance get their money? Oh, it's from everybody. It's, That's right. It's, it's taken from, from someone else. So when you steal from Walmart right. and the insurance covers Walmart for what you stole, right. that insurance company is charging premiums to people exactly. who have insurance policies. Those premiums go up that amount of money to cover exactly. their loss because the insurance companies ain't going to be losing money. Right. They're not going to be in business very long. Right. So that means that when you steal from Walmart, you're actually stealing from your neighbor. Yeah. And in reality, you're stealing from yourself. Exactly. Right. And so people don't think about that. Well, that's stealing. Right. Any way you look at it. And there's so many other ways. Right. You know, cheating on your taxes. Yep. Not paying what you're supposed to pay in your taxes is it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to find every possible uh, deduction that, that applies to you. That's good. Cheating on a test. Right. Cheating on a test. Looking at another kid's paper. Right. You just stole information. That's not yours. That's not your information. Right. That's theirs. So right. these are good things to think about. The eighth commandment you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Mm hmm. All right, here's some good thing. Have I lied to stay out of trouble or to avoid a difficult situation? Do I gossip about others? Can I be trusted with a secret? Do I stand up for those unjustly accused, or am I merely a channel through which rumors pass, whether or not they are true? So that's a bad thing. You don't want to be passing rumors. And so, you know, you can be guilty of the Eighth Commandment just by, you know, that kind of bearing false witness, lying, right. making something seem true that's not true. Right. Right? And, and participating in that to any degree, can be a problem. Yep. The ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Right? Have I sought to see the beauty and purpose God has in store for me if marriage is my calling? So the person that's not married, right? I don't, I, you know, but then coveting <laughs> your neighbor's wife. Now we need to have to understand our sexuality and the purpose of our sexuality. This is a beautiful gift given to us by God. And any kind of perversion of that sexuality actually falls under that ninth commandment. You do not covet your neighbor's wife. Right. You're now going to start to treat her like an object, right. this other neighbor's wife. And now this extends for the wife to look at another neighbor's husband. Right. It's the same concept going on here. Yeah. Yep. Right? And we don't want to do it. We have to realize what a gift our sexuality is and, and, and the purpose for our sexuality. Right. And when we or outside the confines of that, Problems will arise. Exactly. Right? Tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Same drill here. Yeah. It's stuff. It's their stuff. It's not your stuff. Right. Right? And now you want those things, and you start to think, do I try to prove I'm better than others by bragging or buying more things? Do things become my God? Yeah. Right? And this is a great way. So if we look at these different ways to examine our, our, our conscience based on the Ten Commandments, and we, we thoroughly look at this, we're going to find many, many opportunities where we might have sinned. Right. Right? So we need to continue to look at that. Absolutely. All right, good. So let's close in prayer. Let's. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you for the strength and resolve to make an honest and complete accounting of our lives through a frequent and thorough examination of our conscience, so that we may truly open ourselves to your bountiful grace given so freely to us through the sacraments of your church. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stein, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.